Davis Schneider is here and he is saving our season. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 123 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell. That's Riley McConnell. And today, the Blue Jays march into Fenway. And not only do we finally beat them for the first time this season, we sweep them in dramatic fashion. I'm giving out two honorary heroes for the Toronto Blue Jays in this game. One, Davis Schneider, and two, Reese McGuire. I want to personally thank them both for helping the Blue Jays get the sweep in this series, Riley, how are you feeling after a big sweep of the Boston Red Sox? Oh man, Jesse, this was well needed. You want to talk about a time for our boys to come up clutch and win three games in a big way. I mean, we killed them today. We won a close winning game two. And then finally, man, it's been a long time since we've had a five home run game. Fenway, a hitter's park. We got a lot of righty bats in our lineup. We were finding the green monster seats. It was a thing of beauty. Um, Absolutely great series, man. We absolutely needed this against the Boston Red Sox, who are in no means out of this hunt. Uh, The Red Sox will never be out of an American League East hunt or for the wild card, for that matter. Still a tight division. Um, we have probably going to spend some time, Jesse, right off the bat talking about, um, like, would you say this? Is this the, this is the best start in, in uh, Toronto Blue Jays history and arguably, man, it's the best start in, in a three game start in major league baseball history. Yeah, and that will be the performance of Davis Schneider. Don't you worry. We are going to dive deep into mustache mania or Babe Schneider, as Brandon Belt has been calling him. We will talk lots about Davis Schneider in this episode. Plus, Brandon Belt's put together a real nice series. George Springer's finally getting on track. The Blue Jays pitched well in this series. We have some thoughts on the bullpen and so much more in this episode. But first, guys, before we get into it, like the video, please subscribe to the channel. We want to see those subscription numbers grow as we get into the stretch drive and the playoff push for the Toronto Blue Jays. So if you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. And as we've been doing all season, this is episode 123 of Buds and Blue Jays. So some Blue Jays related stats with the numbers 123. That was the number of times Buck Martinez, who you might have heard of, he drew walks as a Blue Jay. And then we're going into some MVP type numbers. That was uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s number of runs scored in his 2021 MVP runner-up season. And 123 is the number of RBIs that Josh Donaldson had in his 2015 MVP season. And some names you might know from the recent memory for the Blue Jays past number 123 in hitter war for the Toronto Blue Jays is Ezekiel Carrera, who was a very big bench piece for those Blue Jays playoff teams in 2015 and 2016. And number 123 in pitcher war was Sam Gavilio, who Charlie Montoya once claimed as the Blue Jays MVP in 2018. So Riley, quick thought on those names before we head into the game recaps and the Davis Schneider mania. You can call me a liar, Jesse, and you people in the comments or listeners can, can think I'm lying. But I promise you, when you said a Blue Jays name for hitter war 123, something told me it was going to be Ezekiel Cabrera. I want to take a minute and remember his legacy. I always thought of him as Edwin's little friend yep. when, he, when they had the parrot. Ezekiel Cabrera loved Edwin. Kind of reminds me of uh, the Looney Tunes when you had that big dog um, in the little yippy one running around. They're like, come on, come on, come on. One of those <laughs> things. Like, they just seem like good buddies. Ezekiel Carrera, one of those kind of Munanori Kawasaki types um, that were just good, just good clubhouse guys. I know not a long career at all, but definitely uh, you will remember Ezekiel Carrera um, from those playoff teams. 
The first walk-off I ever saw in person was an Ezekiel Carrera walk-off bunt. So he will have a uh, memory in my heart for sure. But let's know. We got no time to waste. The Blue Jays are doing big things. Davis Schneider is doing big things. And let's get into it a little bit here. He went, Riley, 9 for 13 in this series. He had a home run in his first big league at bat. Only the fourth Blue Jay ever in history to do so. Most recently, J.P. Aaron Sebia in August of 2010, joining Junior Felix and Al Woods, who did it in 1977. In fact, Riley, you mentioned it kind of off the top there. His nine hits this series are not only the most for a Blue Jay in three games in to start a team's history, it is the most in major league history. Davis Schneider has had the best start you can possibly have as a Toronto Blue Jay. In fact, John Schneider's even noticed it. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. got the day off in game three here. John Schneider had him hitting third in the lineup. Not bad for a guy who had a 900 OPS for a five foot nine second baseman. I'm getting major Dan Ugla vibes from Davis Snyder here. I think he can be a really good power hitter, a guy who can make a few all-star games. And he has been a much needed boost for this Toronto Blue Jays right now. So, Jesse, I mean, we we talked on the phone at around, you know, 11 o'clock, whatever, just to get programming straight, you know, for recording. We try and set things right. And at that time, uh, the lineup had just, uh, you know, came onto my phone and I said, oh, you know, hold on a sec, Jesse. And then I read you the lineup. I said, yeah, we got wit. Oh, yeah. Belt's having a good series. He's hitting second and playing mm-hmm. first. And then I go, David Schneider's hitting third. <laughs> and you go. And I think your next follow up question was. Where, so is Vladdy behind him? And I said, no, Springer, DH. And we kind of had a good chuckle there. And in my head, I'm just like, well, he's had a fir- good first two games. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we see things level out. But, I mean, Jesse, he drove in four runs from the three-hole. Uh, I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but if you ask what a three-hole hitter does and he drives in three runs for you in a ball game, it's exactly what the middle of the lineup guys are supposed to do. That's drive in runs in clutch situations. Jesse, he went four for five today alone. Even that, yeah. if he was to go over in his first two games and then come through with a four-hit performance for his third MLB game, that's still huge. And then you go back, you look at it, and of course, you know, famously for us Blue Jays fans, we remember J.P. and Sebia in his first home run in his first career at bat. Um, but then Davis Schneider, you know, that's a that's a breath of fresh air. It's been about 12 years since that's happened. Aaron Sebia, but long but retired. And, you know, to have Davis Schneider come in and put up numbers in every single one of these ball games, winning efforts, I may add. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's absolutely fantastic, man. I mean, this guy seems to be a hit machine. He seems to be blessed with power as far as what he's going to do. You know, let's say, let's, let's put in perspective. What would 144 games look like for this guy or 152 or, you know, something that's a starter guy who doesn't take a day off numbers like that. I mean, is he going to have a ton of four hit games? I mean, I don't think so. But we've seen it. We've seen it. I mean, we have Arias um, for the Marlins and Bo for us, obviously, are guys that can string it together. But now we've we've unlocked kind of a new weapon uh, for this ball team at the start of August in 2023, when we really need someone to step up Mm -hmm. and. A young man by the name of Davis Schneider, who, you know, kind of for me, Jesse, I know you're a big pipeline guy. I know you're a big prospects guy. But for guys who kind of just look at, you know, the big league picture, you know your prospects, you know who's up and coming. But I did not have Davis Schneider on my radar um, for an impact piece this year, nor did I have him 
hitting north of 700 with two home <laughs> runs in his first three big league games. I mean, that's unheard of at any, I mean, you look at the greats and it takes them a while. It takes a lot of people to get, you know, their major league career started. Ellie De La Cruz in Cincinnati has been absolutely phenomenal since his call up. I mean, but Hey, the talk of the town, the talk of the league right now, um, after this weekend has got to be Davis Schneider for our blue Jays, man. It is a breath of fresh air. This is a, this is, this is huge, man. In the absence of, of a guy like Bo Bichette right now, this is absolutely what we needed. Mm-hmm. We talked about it when Bo Bichette got injured. We said the blue Jays need to go to a next man up. We just lost our, our best player. Davis Snyder is taking this opportunity and running with it. Riley also had two walks in the series, which I don't want to go unnoticed here because he had a 416 OBP in Buffalo this season with a nine something OPS to go along with 21 home runs and even nine stolen bases too for Davis Snyder. He was our number 28th ranked prospect. That's why we didn't talk about him a lot on the prospect offseason reports, but I did mention him in an episode a few times ago, maybe back when Isaac was on the show and we did mention Davis Snyder for the first time. And I think you even said, I don't even know who that guy is. Well, you do now, Riley, and Davis Schneider is going to be a mainstay in this piece. Riley, one more question before we move off of Davis Schneider here. He is now our everyday second baseman, right? Like Whit Merrifield goes to the outfield. Davis Schneider needs to play every day, correct? Until, hey, yes, I am a firm believer in, in if a guy is hitting and swinging a hot bat, um, he's he's got to be, unless he comes to the skipper and says, Hey man, like I am long for a day off, you know, I'm not feeling 100%. I whatever the case may be. Um David Schneider's got to be in this lineup. I'm not saying hit him 3, but we've seen what he can do. And I I don't care where he hits in this lineup at this point, Jesse, but we're, you know, a good chunk into the season now. I always, I, I, hey, maybe two or three episodes ago, I said probably these exact words, still a lot of time to go. We're at the point now where we're under two months to go in the season. Yep. Pressure's and on. And you can really start to see these standings take shape and where teams may finish or may not finish. The American League is still very undecided as far as I'm concerned. And a guy like David Schneider can really shake things up for us. Yes, Jesse, absolutely has to be in our lineup. And as to, as to where he hits, I can't imagine he's going to be an everyday three-spot hitter. You'd see him probably batting fifth, sixth, seventh even. It depends who we have, the matchups. But, Jesse, until we see something different, He's a bat we have to have right now. He was the MVP of this series, his first major league mm-hmm. series. Uh, he, Jesse, it's the stats literally speak for themselves. He, he has to be in this lineup. I agree. If Davis Schneider is MVP number one of this series in the Red Sox, I actually want to give MVP number two of this series to Reese McGuire, an old friend, Riley, and... Things are going rough for the Red Sox right now. They're having Alex Verdugo issues. Um, John, or their manager, Alex Cora, called one game this series the darkest day of, of being a Red Sox manager since he took the job in 2018. And if the Blue Jays are trampling over your team, it is good. Um, in game two of this series, and we'll talk a little bit about the Eric Swanson performance later, but the Red Sox had the tying run on second base, which was Reese McGuire with one out. When the next batter hits a deep fly ball into what you declared Benji Molina triple corner out there in the deepest part of Fenway Park, Kevin Kiermeyer runs it down. Reese McGuire thought it was a home run. He was rounding the base. The third base coach gave it a thumbs up. He was doing this fist bump when Kevin Kiermeyer just took the ball and easily threw it into second base, gifting the Blue Jays the win in game two, a game the Blue Jays kind of had to have. So 
Thank you for the brain fart, Reese McGuire. I know you had a 2.3 war with your time with the Blue Jays. I'd like to add one extra game one for the Toronto Blue Jays here. If we can give you an honorary 3.3 war for your time here with the Blue Jays, Reese McGuire. So thank you for your contribution here. It is single-handedly the biggest contribution, positive or negative, he's had towards the Toronto Blue Jays. And I'm not a Reese McGuire hater. And it Anyway, he is playing on a divisional rival. He is trying to make it in the in the big leagues. He's still, you know, there's still a chance he has, you know, four years as a decent, decent major league catcher. Um, you have to know your home ballpark. Fenway is probably one of the strangest ballparks in, in you know, as far as dimension goes in, in the entire league. There are some ballparks where maybe that gets out of, but Reese McGuire at the same time kind of has to, you know, first of all, I, hey, I get it. That's the tying run. You're the tying run at second base. Second of all, um, it's on the third base coach as well. He should know more than, hey, if a catcher has a brain fart on the base pass, that's probably one guy I'll, gi I'll give the excuse me to because, I mean, it's your catcher. He's probably not fast. He's, he's you know, he calls pitches. He's probably not the, the best base runner on your ball club. But Still, that is probably, you know, one of the most horrendous ways for that ball game to end for Boston. We're lucky that Oops. that happens because, Jesse, if that if that ball does leave the yard, we don't walk out of here with the sweep. And our second point of the episode, we are probably talk about something completely different. So we'll take that. It is a, it's a small victory in the term of getting outs. But for the time it was in the game, the score being as close as it was, that's a huge win for us, man. Their mistake turned out to be the, the biggest moment of that ball game. And it's nice to see the Blue Jays on the fortunate side of something like this, because how many times have we watched the Blue Jays been on the negative side of something like this? Good to know what happens to other teams and not just our own. A lot more players to get to, Riley, especially when we do a sweep. We have good things happening. And I want to bring up two more hitter performances from the Toronto Blue Jays that really put their foot down in this series. And the first one, Riley, is George Springer. We talked last episode how much of a massive slump that George Springer was in. Well, I'd say he broke out of that way in this series. He had four hits in game two, including two more in the finale. He had two doubles in that one, including a couple RBIs with both Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who was out of the lineup for game three here. We need George Springer to be that impact piece. And his slump aside, yes, it was good to see that come back because we talked about the next man up mentality. George Springer is going to have to be one of those guys going forward. So George Springer, oh, Jesse, I, I, like, I don't want to talk about his slump, but, you know, things will average out, uh, you know, over the course of a season. So this was that four hit game. Like it was almost just about due. George Springer needs something like that. Um, mm -hmm. and he's not going to get it, you know, a lot. But for a guy who collected eight hits in the series, you know, easily, you know, we're talking about Davis Schneider at the start. But if it wasn't for him collecting his nine hits, you know, we'd be leading off talking about how well George Springer did. Um, because this is a guy who's very much... Uh, a huge piece to this ball club. Um, I really think that the time at DH has served him well, as far as being able to keep his legs in the game, as far as being able to keep his bat speed alive. Um, listen, he's a guy who's, you know, who didn't see the top of the order in game three. We're, we seem to be very versatile in a lot of different ways. And I mean, wherever George Springer hits in this lineup, He's if even if he isn't a leadoff hitter, 
and he hits in the five hole. He's a guy who can still drive in runs. The guy possesses a ton of power. We, we know this. And it's nice to see him hit the ball hard and kind of into the gaps, like, you know, a throwback Springer would do, mm -hmm. you know, a, a low line drive over the shortstop's head. I really like George Springer's game. Again, I, I, at the, I was questioning his longevity at the start of this year, what we would see, you know, happen with him this year. And I mean, Hey, He's definitely not what he was. I mean, yeah. he's not a 39, 40 home run guy. I think his career high is 39 home runs. But, I mean, he's still going to produce runs um, at a decent pace, especially with guys who are not producing runs. Um, you know, Chapman should be ahead of, uh, you know, his run production and Varsho, of course. So if Springer's kind of hitting in front of those guys, that I'm very okay with Springer collecting eight hits in these three games because that was also needed. Yes, Davis Schneider had an exceptional debut series. Obviously, you know, we ta just talked about that. But a complimentary piece in this was certainly George Springer and, and what he did at the plate. Yeah, he's going to be an interesting guy to talk about in the offseason. Like, the numbers are down, especially the power numbers, Riley, are down. But I will say he stole another base in this series. That gives him 14 on the season, only two behind his career high that he set in 2015 with Houston. So at least he is still doing something to help the Blue Jays win games. But we need to see that hot streak come out or else. I'd be worried that this is the start of the decline for George Springer. But that's a story for another day. Maybe in the offseason, we'll dive deep into that. Um, another guy who picked it up well this series, Riley, Brandon Belt. Um, not only did he hit his 10th home run in this series, an opposite field shot, I will say, too, for a lefty to take it over the green monster. Always love seeing that. Adam Lynn did that a few times, and it was always fun to see. Brandon Belt did it here, too. He also had two bunt hits. Now, one of them was a hit. One of them was considered an error, but Brandon Belt was pleading to get a, get a bunt hit, and he's done this now. We've given Dalton Varsho compliments about being able, when he's facing a lefty, to get a bunt down to get on base. Brandon Belt has done this now, and I think they said on the broadcast today that's 29 bunt hits in his career for Brandon Belt. So just know this. This is a weapon in the, in the bag that Brandon Belt has, and uh, he put it into effect this series. Day off in game one but a huge contribution in the last two games of this series. Jesse, we were talking about walks. You didn't want to overlook the walks that Davis Schneider drew. Brandon Belt had three in mm -hmm. games two and three combined. Uh, two coming off um, two were today as long as collecting two hits and three runs scored. I mean, I realize we blew him out by and winning by 12 runs, but those runs are coming from someplace. And you want to talk about where, you know, where you cash runs guys hitting at the top of the order are probably going to score, you know, more runs than a guy hitting eighth or ninth in the batting order. So we had belt batting second today. Was I surprised to see this? I mean, a little bit, but two is batting two is the new four spot we've had yep. this discussion that you we want have. your best hitter hitting in the hitting in the two hole and vladdy's out of the lineup sure um we were unaware of the spoils that uh, davis schneider had for us so who do we have you know we're gonna move springer down okay who's the next guy to call upon wit's obviously gonna hit one for us but brandon belt and i think people often have overlooked him this year but he has been one of the best guys to just get on base um, since I think it's been a month and a half now. It's been about, you know, six or seven weeks. And I think that he's really been, you know, he's been drawing his walks. He's been getting timely hits for us. And, um, you know, it's not, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for this ball club. He did have an opposite field home run. Jesse, that's nice. It's nice to hit five home runs in a game. I still want to see 
and hey, we probably won't. It's the 6th of August right now. We're not going to see a huge spike in home runs. And if we do, I'd be super happy, but I'm I'm certainly not counting on it. A guy like Belt should have maybe more home runs, but that maybe that's not who he is. We were wondering what kind of Brandon Belt we would get, you know, uh, uh, and I am perfectly fine with this. If this is a guy who's we're going to call the double power guy, get a, get a lot of doubles, and I'm totally fine with it because he's done – what a guy in your heart of your order should be doing, you know, scoring runs, driving in runs and still, you know, drawing out at bats. And I think that's something else Brandon Belt has done a good job is, you know, staying in at bats, you know, fouling the pitches off, being pesky because he's still a feared hitter. I don't not necessarily going to say, Jesse, that it's a resurgence with him in a Blue Jays uniform since his days in San Francisco. But he's certainly making a case that he's got five years left in this league and he's going to stick around because he can still play. Yeah, he has been very productive. And I think we've been happy, especially after his early slump in the season from Brandon Belt. Well, I want to see more of that going forward. You mentioned some of the other home runs hit. You said the Blue just hit five of them in game one. Well, you can add Whit Merrifield to that list, who had a first pitch off James Paxton to start the series, setting the tone, Riley. How many times do we talk about that is important to uh, starting a series? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit one as well over the monster. Matt Chapman hit one and Dalton Barshow hit one as well. And Riley, I want to talk about some of the bullpen stuff because it wasn't all great. We did have uh, Jordan Hicks get a four out save in game one. In game two, Eric Swanson came in and did struggle a little bit. So Jordan Romano still on the IL. I guess our three main candidates for save, Eric Swanson, Jordan Hicks, and Jimmy Garcia. Rank them. Who do you want to see getting save opportunities? Well, okay. First off, I I think that it's a it, it's a no brainer for me. It's Jordan Hicks. Yeah, because the stuff and is the best, right? I yes, and of course, man. Like I think that he can rise to the occasion, and it's nothing against Garcia. I think Garcia has done a fantastic up but for how i'm ranking these pitchers right now let's take jordan romano out of this equation and for me i think jesse the way the way i look at it we have two lefties in the in the pen i we had tim Meza act as a specialist obviously there are no lefty specialists now with the gotta face three batters rule but tim Meza is a guy that can pitch in high leverage situations. He's had a fantastic year, arguably his best year as a blue Jay. And he's been on this ball club a long time right now. How I'm ranking relievers is I am certainly rolling with Jordan Hicks first. Sadly, I got to move my guy, Eric Swanson down that list. I might even move him behind Tim Mesa. I think for right now, if I want an eighth inning guy, for me, it might go Garcia and then Meza and then Swanson. Until Eric Swanson can figure it out because he's giving up way too many hits, way too much hard contact, and just not retiring enough consecutive batters for him to really be effective as a reliever. Yeah, I do. I think I agree with you here. I'd probably rank him Jordan Hicks as number one, Jimmy Garcia number two. I'd go Tim Mesa three, Eric Swanson next. And with the guys that are currently in the bullpen, I would go probably Genesis Cabrera, then Jay Jackson, then Bowden Francis. Um, I did want to give some love, though. And I guess we can transition here over to the starting pitching here. Um, I want to throw some love to Chris Bassett. Look, the Blue Jays won 13 to one, but Chris Bassett did go seven innings today, did have some base runners, but was able to get out of jams. His only blemish being a solo home run to Tristan Costa. 
process. That's going to happen. But I love that he was able to pitch seven, and then we could use Bowden Francis, the last guy in our bullpen for the last two, to get a fresh, rested bullpen going into Cleveland for a four-game series. So I wanted to give some love to Chris Bassett there. And just quick thoughts on the other two starters, because we are pressed for time here, so let's do it. Um, Alec Manoa, his final line, six and two-thirds, six hits, three earned runs, two walks, five Ks, 89 pitches. He actually threw his slider more than any other individual pitch, which I thought was interesting. And the one note I want to take away on Alec Manoa was he threw a first pitch strike to 85.2% of batters, which was by far the highest of the season. And then Jose Barrios, Riley, five and two thirds innings pitch, six hits, three earned runs, no walks, six Ks, only six hard hits allowed. I will say the three run home run he gave up to Rafael Devers was a good pitch. It was low in the zone. It was below the strike zone. Devers just went down and got it, but he did throw him five straight curveballs. So eventually the guy is going to time the curveball. I did also notice too, Barrios only got two outs via the ground ball in this game, which you want to see more from that from a sinker baller. So just three things to watch for, but Riley, do you have a thought on any of our three pitching performances here, Bassett, Manoa, and Brios. I want to quickly just say that yes, like I'm happy with how the pitching went. I want to touch on how the, you know, we um, prioritize these pitchers and use them in different situations. I think it's important that we won by 12 runs today, so we didn't burn out, you know, pitchers excessively. Thra- throwing Bowden Francis and Jay Jackson today is far more important than you would think. I mean, we've now saved, you know, a guy because we're probably going to see a Tim Mesa or a Jordan Hicks in the next ball game. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a close ball game, you know, those low leverage situations where those guys can throw is great. I'm super happy with with just how, you know, Barrios and Manoa were. Um, I have, you know, not quite gotten over my uh, Jose Brios phobia of blowing games completely. I, yeah, I'm not I think over a lot it either. People, I'm still a little people, scared. It is very much kind of a PTSD feel. You could never, it's like the damage has already been done. You're still very skeptical anytime he toes the rubber and gives up base runners. And yeah, the ground balls is scary when he's not giving up ground balls and those balls are in the air. Jesse, it's it's scary. Yes, the, the, those were kept in the yard. Like, you know, 99% of them were, were, were hit in play and and not over the fence, but however, you know, it's still a, you know, a little bit of cause for concern. And as far as Alec Manoa goes, look, he almost went seven innings. His, his control still lacked a touch. The stuff Jesse still looks really good. I will give Alec Manoa that credit. Uh, no one's disagreeing that Alec Manoa isn't a nasty pitcher, but well, he still just has well, to, he's yeah. not what he used to be. He, yeah, yeah, Jesse, that is such a crazy comment to make because the, he's still a kid, Jesse, sure. third, third career in the, in the big leagues and not what he used to be is, you know, that's, that's crazy. He's something. got, it is really saying something. He's got a lot of work to do at the end of the day, three earned runs and just under seven innings pitched. I don't love it, but I certainly can't complain, especially when we're walking out with the game one win. And mm-hmm. at the end of the series, the sweep. Six and two thirds was the third longest start of the season for Alec Manoa. So there is that at least going for him. 
And especially with Hunjin Ryu going next, it'd be good to see the bullpen, you know, well-rested going to this one. Some news and notes, Riley. Paul DeYoung played his first full series here. He was 0 for 12 to begin his Blue Jays career, but he did get a hit in game two, did get another hit in game three. Two singles, though, for Paul DeYoung. Um, did make some good defensive plays, though. So I think that's just what the Blue Jays needed him to do. I do find it was interesting that Paul DeYoung got all the starts at shortstop and none for Santiago Espinal in this series. So we'll see more of that likely going forward. And then some injury updates, Riley. Danny Jansen um, got hit in the hand in his last series, and he sat out a few games during this series. So I think the Blue Jays just want to make sure the hand is rested. There was no flurry of moves to get Tyler Heineman here, and even Alejandro Kirk actually got hit on the hand again today. So maybe we see a Blue Jays move to get a catcher, but it does sound like um, Danny Jansen is going to be okay and should be in the lineup momentarily. And uh, Kevin Kiermeyer was pulled from the game three today after making a leaping catch against the wall classic Kevin Kiermeyer making catches like this, but he appeared to cut himself pretty badly against the Raj in, in center field. John Schneider said post game, he's going to get about eight stitches on that elbow, but nothing is broken. No ligament damage, just a bad cut for Kevin Kiermeyer. He is also considered day to day. And then one prospect update of note, Riley, is that Ricky Tiedemann has done his rehab assignment and he was dominant in the Florida coast league here. Three innings pitch, one hit allowed, no runs, no walks. Riley, he got nine outs all of them by strikeouts sat 94 to 97 touched as high as 98 mixing in a slider and a changeup. 37 of his 50 pitches were for strikes and 14 of them were swinging strikes. Ricky Tiedemann should be reporting to New Hampshire momentarily. And I think it's all systems go for the Blue Jays. Number one prospect, Jesse, I will try and minimize what I have to say about this. As far as Tiedemann goes, I'll make this real short and sweet. Um, he is going to be a great major league pitcher at some point in his career and hearing things like that nine K's and for his nine outs is great. I mean, I realize that, you know, you're only, you know, at the, the single a level when, you know, doing this feat, but you start to convert things over and it still looks really, really good. Um, I'm glad Jansen's going to be okay. I really can't go without Danny Jansen. He's a phenomenal hitter. I mean, he's another guy. You talk about David Schneider got to be in the lineup. If this was a beer league softball team, I mean, we had to bat 12 guys. I think there's no better 12 guys in baseball. I would rather have than what the blue Jays could put on. Um, it's and as far as, you know, the Kiermaier things goes, what comes to a surprise is me is you got all these safety things, the bags being bigger and whatever in baseball and the, the 400 year old Fenway park still has a garage door. Yeah. It seems silly. Doesn't it? I have the same thought. Uh, crazy. Well, same with Aaron judge kicking the slab in, in LA there, making the catch at the wall and being, you know, being out for what seemed like, you know, a hundred days, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's crazy. The stuff that still goes on in today's game. Hey, and I'm straight up, even as a blue Jays fan, I don't think there's a better ballpark layout than Fenway park. I truly think, the obscure dimensions from the green monster left field pole to the pesky pole and right. And yes, what I do deem Benji Molina's triple to complete the cycle alley is, is, is a, it's a thing of beauty. Um, but I'm sure Kiermaier will make a full on recovery. The guy's a warrior. Uh, mm. The guy is an absolute warrior and he has a, another case this year to put on a gold glove in this time uh, as a Toronto Blue Jay. Absolutely fantastic, Jesse. But 
that is all I have to say on those notes, just to, just to keep it short and sweet for you guys. Good stuff on the episode. We had a lot to cover there, so we did have to make through our points really quick. Um, I just want to say um, it's time. I think let's just give Davis Schneider the Rookie of the Year award. I don't care that he wasn't here for the first four months of the season. Hell, we can rename the award the Davis Schneider Award if we want. Though it's not going to happen, I would love to see it. Davis Schneider going on quite a run here and potentially saving the Blue Jays season. We'll keep tabs on this as we go a little forward. That'll do it for episode here today, though, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, please like the video on your way out. Subscribe to our channel if you have yet to do so. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the good stuff. Um, we want to keep that community going there. I might post something later today about Davis Schneider. So let's keep the hype train rolling as we want to do that. Um, Riley, anything else to add before we call our episode here tonight? Good luck on everyone's future immaculate grits. Of course, yes, I, yes. That's, that is a free promotion, but I do enjoy that game. Um, try and get as many former Blue Jays as you can. And hey, we're just coming off a sweep against the Red Sox. And like I said, the Red Sox are never truly out of it. This was a big series win, and this may be the start of very, very good things to come for the Toronto Blue Jays, Jesse. Hey, they were a team behind us in the standings, and if the Blue Jays want to prove that they're a playoff team and should be in October, you beat the teams that are behind you in the standings, and they did just that. Now off to Cleveland for our first trip there. I've got some friends who will be there. The Blue Jays crowd was loud in Boston. It'll be even louder in Cleveland. Let's go, Blue Jays, and we'll see you after the series. Thanks, guys.